Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. As we welcome you to the 2022 Getting Over Awards, also known as the Meetings. That's right, Getting Over is back for the third edition of our annual award show as we honor the best and brightest as well as the worst and dimmest in professional wrestling over the last calendar year. We will be handing out 20 awards over the course of this special show with nominees spanning WWE, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Stardom, NXT, and Ring of Honor. But as we just said, only 20 will be lucky or unlucky enough to come away with meetings. Those award winners will have earned the majority of votes from myself, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Vintage, Chris Vanini, and you, our listeners, the Getting Over Heads. All of this as we put a bow on what to this point was the wildest year in professional wrestling history, though 2023 is certainly attempting to give 2022 a run for its money only a few days into the year. Now, before we get into the show, a brief reminder that this is actually our second of two 2022 recap episodes. We did our 2022 year in review published last week. It has been a hit. So if you somehow have not listened to that episode yet, make sure to hit the Getting Over podcast feed and find it. Also, it would not be an episode of Getting Over if I did not remind you that this show is Five. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know what to do. Leave those five-star ratings on Apple. Leave a five-star written review as well. Tell people why you listen. Tell them why they should subscribe. And if you do, we will read it live right here on the podcast. And if you're wondering how our listeners got to vote in these awards, clearly you are not already following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. That's where the nominations and ballots were posted. But beyond that, it's where we drop episodes and tweet all week long with wrestling news, analysis, and highlights coming into your feed. So again, follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. You know, Chris, 2021's awards, the Getting Over Awards, aka the Medes, were heavily took- influenced by major returns and debuts across WWE and AEW. And while some of that did continue in 2022, Given this was the first full year of live events with crowds that we have experienced together since starting this podcast, these meaties just felt more complete, if that makes sense. That's that's the feeling I got while compiling the votes, uh, award, you know, pick, figuring out who won the awards and getting ready to create this show with you today. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like we, we went over it in the year in review about it being maybe the most consequential year of wrestling history, or at least in many decades, 2023 may top that, but it really Mm -hmm. was a huge year. uh, And the awards were pretty tough. I mean, we, we, I went through them and narrowing them down was tough. By the way, if I sound different, I'm, I'm recording uh, from Los Angeles, California, Stone Cold Steve Austin would like to say I'm here for the, uh, the uh, college football national championship game. So I've been, one might say Chris, an appropriate location. For an award show. 
Yes, I'm uh, right across from LA Live where they do some of that stuff. It's uh, it, it's been look, I've I've done this podcast from Canada. I've done this from my parents' basement. I've done this from uh, Indianapolis, I think, before. So this is we're adding a new a new location in terms of where getting over has been recorded. So I think the city of Los Angeles is uh, should be honored uh, by that. Yeah, and the Silver King has brought the Masters into play. So let's not forget that uh, yes. I got to do that in Augusta, Georgia, along with some other of my own travel locations, including New Orleans, Louisiana, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and elsewhere, Orlando, Florida, etc. But Chris, let's not waste any more time. Again, please do not forget to listen to our 2022 year in review episode if you have not already. But folks here, as your master of ceremonies, as your host of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, Allow me to officially and formally welcome you into the 2022 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. presenting 20 awards, the voting body comprised of yours truly, along with Chris and all of you listening, our getting overheads. These awards were determined via ranked choice vote to ensure that the majority would rule. And with that, we kick off the 2022 getting over awards with our first honor, the meaty for broadcaster of the year. The finalists, Michael Cole, Excalibur, and Pat McAfee. And the winner is... That's why she's our champion, Cole. Yeah, what a performance. Oh, oh my God, oh, are you no. kidding me? It's Liv Morgan! Liv Morgan! Miss Money in the Bank! Morgan's coming to the ring! Is Morgan gonna cash in? She's cashing in, Cole! Morgan's gonna cash in! Morgan's gonna cash in! And Morgan, a kick to the bad knee, kick to the bad knee, roll up, roll up Miranda, roll up, let go, After 26 years in WWE and three editions of these Getting Over Awards, the voice of SmackDown, Michael Cole, is our 2022 Broadcaster of the Year. Chris, despite his longevity and despite the lack of competition, really, in many years previously, before AEW existed primarily, how many years would you think that Michael Cole would come and win this award? He has seen a career resurgence in WWE with first Pat McAfee joining him alongside on commentary, but second, now that Vince McMahon is no longer in his ear and rather he has Triple H in that gorilla position seat. Michael Cole is perhaps doing some of the best work of his entire career. And I could not think of a more appropriate, unanimous, by the way, winner than Michael Cole, our 2022 broadcaster of the year. Yeah, he's, you know, he's done this for a long time. He's been uh, derided by fans, I think, for, for a good period of time. But we always wondered how much of that is just Vince McMahon being in his ear all the time and doing the ways that way that Vince wants it done. And I think we've seen 
once Triple H came in, you've got Michael Cole talking about other promotions. You've got him saying wrestling. Uh, even when he lost Pat McAfee, him and Wade Barrett uh, became a great team. Uh, Michael yes. Cole's done this for a long time. He really leads that. He is the he is the voice of WWE. Continues to be so, and I agree. We all think he had one of the best years of his career, at least in a very long time. Uh, credit to again McAfee, Barrett, and, and also Triple H, kind of taking the reins off a bit. Uh, good for Michael Cole. You know, I, I think Pat McAfee joining him in the booth, Chris, and you know this as someone who works with dogs a lot. It's like when you have that that old dog who's like you know 12, 13 years old, and then you get a new puppy, and all of a sudden that dog starts playing. And he's a lot more active than he used to be. That's very similar. And I'm not trying to say that Michael Cole is near the end of his run, but that's very similar to what was happening with Cole. He was complacent, but not because of him, but because there was only so much he could do. His hands were tied, right? His his vocal cords to some degree were tied. There wasn't much that he could achieve in WWE. So Pat McAfee, I think, gave him a little kick in the ass. And Mm -hmm. then when Triple H took over and Vince McMahon got out of his ear, I think that's where he just soared and completely took off. Completely agree. It, it's you look forward to him on SmackDown. It, it's it's yes. been a great pairing. I love that it's a two man booth and they've kept it a two man booth. I think that helps as well. It helps the chemistry. Uh, they've just they've done a really good job over there at SmackDown for a while now, and and Michael Cole's the biggest reason. I should note that Pat McAfee, our twenty twenty one winner, did finish in second with second place votes from myself. And the listeners, you had Excalibur in that number two spot. Completely appropriate, of course, Excalibur really leading the charge in AEW. With that, let's move to our second award here, Smack Talker of the Year. Our finalists, Roman Reigns, Max Caster, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, John Moxley, and MJF. And your winner is... Now, let me tell you a story. There was once a wise Jewish man, and his name started with an M. And when his people were meek and weak, and they needed help, he split the sea wide open, and he walked them straight to the promised land. Buffalo, I'm not telling you I'm Moses. That's ridiculous. I'm better than Moses. I'm going to win that world title. Because my name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and I'm better than you. MJF, a back-to-back winner of Smack Talker of the Year. Third straight year that AEW has won this award. Eddie Kingston took the inaugural honors back in 2020. Now, I voted for MJF in first place, as did the listeners. Chris, you did not. We'll get to you momentarily. But MJF was just outstanding all year. Now, granted... Towards the end of 2022, his promos kind of started getting repetitive. A lot of stuff that we've heard before, uh, especially coming after winning the AEW championship. But in the lead up to that, the promo, the work shoot promo that he cut on Tony Khan, a lot of stuff that he did early in the year during the Wardlow feud, MJF, I felt, was just pretty, I mean, I don't want to say head and shoulders above everyone else, but for me, a pretty clear winner of this award. So before we get to who you voted in first place and some of the other finalists, uh, go ahead and talk to me about MJF as our back-to-back smack talker of the year. Last year, by the way, a unanimous choice. Yeah, look, MJF is the best 
talker in the business. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he continues to be just well, lead if, the way. Excuse me, if he's front. the best talker in the business, why didn't he get your first place vote? Because this was Smack Talker of the year, not of okay. the business. And to me, okay. his year was kind of up and down. You're right. Toward the end of the year, it has not been good. That maybe weighed my vote more than it should have. But he was also gone for a period of time You know that, that he was out. He, mm-hmm. he had some incredible stuff with CM Punk. And then some other stuff that really just didn't hit and felt old. So it was a real up and down year for him, uh, for me. But he's still incredibly talented at what he does, and that's what makes him one of the biggest stars in this business. Fair enough. Uh, so go ahead and talk about who your first place vote was. I voted for Max Caster. I, I, I think what the acclaimed have done and turned themselves into this year is all on the backs of those Max Caster raps before matches. I, I, I've been at went to a few AEW shows this year, and the reaction from the crowd when he would come out to talk was just on another level, even more so than MJF. And I've, MJF used to be the biggest reaction. The acclaim to get that now. And Max Caster, the, the creativity on a lot of his raps, they don't all hit, but they've, they've consistently been very good. And uh, it's, it's fun because it's like the people who are getting burned, like they, they want it. Like Jeff Jarrett the other day, I think, the acclaimed came out and uh, he did like TNA is total nonstop acclaimed. And Jeff Jarrett was just like laughing at him getting burned and stuff like that. The acclaimed really took themselves to another level this year. And you throw in the scissor me daddy ass. I know that's Anthony Bowens and it's not just uh, him, but uh, Max Caster leads the way. And that's why he got my vote. Yeah. I mean, I think there's value to what you're saying. Like, I think it's legitimate for you to put him in that spot. For me, someone who's writing a couple bars and does it, I mean, occasionally, let's call it now most weeks that they're on TV, but for a large part of the year, was that was not the case. To me, writing a couple bars and then wrapping them, it's not the same as MJF coming in the ring and doing an eight-minute monologue where he's just tearing people apart. So, Or John Moxley doing something like that, who was my second-place vote, Seth Rollins, my third-place vote. Uh, Roman Reigns, I should note, was your second-place vote and the listeners as well. And you did have MJF third. The listeners had Kevin Owens third. So, you know, really strong across the board. Uh, but AEW has dominated this category. Again, we've done this for three years, and they have won Smack Talker of the Year. Eddie Kingston once, MJF now in back-to-back years. So with that, let's go ahead and move to our third award, the Pay-Per-View of the Year. Our four finalists. WWE WrestleMania 38, AEWXNJPW Forbidden Door, WWE Survivor Series War Games, and WWE Clash at the Castle. And your winner is WWE Clash at the Castle. This to me, Chris, was just a tremendous top to bottom show. Now, if you want to talk about which of these pay-per-views had the best wrestling up and down the entire card the entire year, then yes, AEW, New Japan, Forbidden Door, it had the best wrestling and it did get my second place vote. But you and I both did vote WWE Clash of the Castle in the first place spot. And for me, it was all about what I basically saw as the co-main event, the Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre match, of course. And the Gunther versus Sheamus match for the Intercontinental Championship. Beyond those two, there was other good stuff on the show. I believe that was where Dominic 
officially turned on Rey Mysterio and low blowed edge if memory serves. There was a lot of things that developed on that show. There was never a, a down moment. The crowd was arguably the best wrestling crowd of the entire year. But those two matches in particular, uh, Reigns McIntyre and Gunther Sheamus, put this over the top as pay-per-view of the year. Yeah, the, 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 it really was. The crowd, to me especially, is such a huge part of that. Uh, and and the, I, I keep thinking, like, when I go back and watch stuff from this year, this is the show I go back and watch the most. I watch Drew mm-hmm. Roman. I watch Gunther Sheamus. Uh, I, I watch um, uh, just the entrances and a lot of that stuff. So, you know, this was the first major pay-per-view they had done in uh, in Great Britain since, uh, what, SummerSlam 92? Yeah. Yeah, the United Kingdom. And now they're going to do Money in the Bank next year in London. Mm-hmm. And that's, I have to imagine, largely because of the success of Clash at the Castle. I thought it was a great setup, cool look. Um and yeah, it's my show of the year as well. Now, I had Forbidden Door second. I already explained why. But WrestleMania 38 is what actually came in second in our balloting. You had it second. The listeners voted WrestleMania 38 over Clash of the Castle. And I think it's pretty easy to understand why. Uh, between Cody Rhodes making his you know re-debut, I guess you can call it, in WWE, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his segments, the stuff with Pat McAfee, um, Logan Paul's match. Uh, the actual, sorry, the, the wrestler, the wrestlers who were who participated in the pay per view itself and all of their big matches, um, the Bianca Belair Becky Lynch match, of course, being a highlight of the show. There's myriad reasons to love WrestleMania 38 this year, and it was a huge step up from some WrestleManias we had gotten recently. But Chris, I do think Clash at the Castle was pretty clearly above it, at least for you and I, right? Yep, and I mean, I went to WrestleMania 38. I loved it, had a great time. I said at the time, I think it was one of the most fun WrestleManias we've had in a, in a long time. It's almost, it's so hard to compare WrestleMania to everything else, though, because it's two days, because it's 10 to 15 matches. It's just so unlike everything else. Um, I think the mm-hmm. fact that Clash of the Castle was a tight little thing probably helped uh, me in terms of voting for it, but WrestleMania 38 was awesome uh, and would have been deserving as well. All right, let's move to our next award, the headline of the year, news headline, I should note, of the year. We had three finalists, CM Punk imploding at All Out, creating Brawl Out with a number of AEW wrestlers getting suspended, Vince McMahon resigning and then retiring from his position in WWE with Triple H taking over creative and talent, and Cody Rhodes leaving AEW for WWE. E. Those are the three finalists, and our winner for Headline of the Year is the retirement of Vince McMahon and Triple H taking over large parts of WWE. In fact, Chris, this award was unanimous in first place, second place, and third (laughs) place. And we (laughs) talked about all three of these stories at extreme length during our 2022 year in review episode. So I do suggest everyone goes back and listens to that. Uh, CM Punk came in second. Cody Rhodes came in third here. But Vince retiring, Triple H taking over. Just an absolute no-brainer. One of the biggest headlines in the history of professional wrestling. Now look, things may be changing early in 2023. It doesn't change the fact that this was major, major news in 2022. Look, in any normal year, 
CM Punk, AEW, Brawl Out, Cody Rhodes leaving for WWE. In a normal year, all those could have been the winner. Like, easily. Those are massive easily. stories. But it's there's nothing bigger than Vince McMahon retiring, or at least temporarily retiring, as it turned out, because now he's uh, back. Uh, but, yeah, that is, uh, without a doubt, the biggest story and one of the most consequential stories for the history of WWF, WWE, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I did forget to note before announcing this award, this was also a award debut, the first time ever we have crowned a headline of the year. And we're going to follow it up with another debuting award here with the Medes Booker of the Year. And we have three finalists once again for this award. Shawn Michaels for NXT, Tony Khan for AEW, and Triple H for the WWE main roster. And the winner of 2022 Booker of the Year is... I am the game, JR. There is nobody that eats, sleeps, or breathes this business more than me. And once again, we not just have a unanimous winner in Paul Levesque, Triple H, we have unanimous voting across the board for myself, yourself, Chris, and the listeners are getting overheads. Triple H coming in first place in all balloting. Shawn Michaels coming in second with NXT across all balloting and Tony Khan finishing in third. I think there is no more deserving uh, individual to pick up an award like Booker of the Year than Triple H. It's rare that you get an opportunity to look at booking and creative storytelling, whatever you want to call it, in an apples to apples comparison. And that's exactly what we got to do this year with Vince McMahon and Triple H. It's not to say that WWE's booking is perfect, which it is not. And it would not have been the same to say that if, let's say, Tony Khan had won this award last year or the year before for AEW. What it's pointing out is consistency, improvement, putting the right people in the right matches, featuring the right matches on shows, ensuring that things like your mid-card titles, the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship in this case, are featured, that you're building up divisions, that you're adding uh, talent to the roster and getting that talent on television, positioning them in ways that they can be successful both for your show and with the audience. And I do think that Shawn Michaels did a fantastic job this year with NXT. Again, a show that doesn't necessarily hit every single time. Tony Khan, I think most would probably agree. It was by far his roughest year as a booker since the beginning of AEW. Triple H, again, we were able to do an apples to apples comparison and contrasting with Vince McMahon in the same position. And the changes that we saw, the improvement in that product, to me, made this an absolute no-brainer. Yep, this was easy. Like you said, it, for a long time, we said, hey, there are so many things WWE needs to fix. They're not even major changes. You just you just got to get some of the basics down and go from there. And Triple H did that from the very beginning. Everything makes sense. Everything feels important. We rarely have any uglies on our good, bad, and ugly anymore. And everything feels like it means more. The U.S. title means more. The Intercontinental title means more. Uh, all sorts of individual wrestlers mean more. Like it, he's finally got the, the the pencil for the top spot, and it's gone great. And with Shawn Michaels down at NXT, obviously Triple H and other people are involved, but a lot of new faces have have looked 
uh, very strong there. So credit to him. And then with AEW, Tony Khan, it, yeah, obviously a down year. Part of that was because of injuries. Part of that was because of uh, stuff like brawl out and change, have to change things. But when you book something like CM also Punk forcing Ring of Honor onto TV, all those yeah, times. But, but, well, that that was that was that was not an un- unforced error. Uh, that that was something that he um, chose to do, and I think was I think most no, of no, us no, agree that's, that's was not opposite. Great. That is an unforced error because he yes, chose that to do is it. an unforced error. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and and booking stuff like CM Punk versus Moxley right before the pay per view, like just not some very poor decisions uh, from Con this year. So Triple H, easy winner. I, I talked all the time on every podcast I've ever been on. Give Triple H the book. Well, guess what? He got the book. And six months later, he won the 2022 Meaty for Booker of the Year. Let's go ahead and move to our sixth award where we will crown the brand of the year. Our four finalists receiving votes, AEW, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. So with that, our 2022 Meaty for brand of the year goes to... And that would be for the third straight year, SmackDown winning brand of the year. But this is the first time that it has accomplished that feat unanimously with all three voting parties choosing SmackDown over the other options. And I will say it's pretty much a no brainer here as well. When the hottest storyline in professional wrestling and arguably the top wrestler in the sport right now is on your brand and the perhaps arguably top tag team is on your brand and arguably the top faction. And by the way, these are all the same people, but when they're all on your brand and you have a two hour show and they're taking up, you know, generally a third or more of that show, it's going to be very difficult for that to not be the best show. But what I find really interesting, Chris is SmackDown was operating pretty damn well under Vince McMahon the first half of the year. And it's even somehow gotten better since Triple H took over. So I think it would have won brand of the year no matter what, but especially since Triple H got the book, it has become cannot miss wrestling television. Yes, and yes, like you said, it has all the major players for WWE, so it's naturally going to have an advantage in that spot, but it has gotten better. They've done uh, things to to make it work yet. Pat McAfee on commentary for the first half. Wade Barrett comes in and does a really good job. Michael Cole won our broadcaster of the year. It all ties together and you when you played i gotta say though i did cringe a little bit when i heard the um the uh music there that you played (laughs) (laughs) i knew that would be the reaction smackdown would not win for music of uh brand music of the year but look it's a good show everything makes sense you've got the intercontinental title a big deal on that show you had the world cup late in the year uh pretty easy choice i think for brand of the year you know, I did forget Gunther went on a significant run as well on that show. And he's put on some fantastic TV matches, including that match with Ricochet that you're mentioning here. Uh, one of the best WWE matches of the entire year. So that has certainly helped that show uh, take some steps up from beyond where it was. What's interesting here is all three of us chose different brands for second place. I went with NXT and it was mostly just because of the consistency and how much fun it is to watch NXT. Raw has been very good, but it's so up and down that on a week-to-week basis, there were times where we were going into that show and it was just 
horrendous. I mean, worst among the, some of the worst episodes of TV, not counting Rampage, uh, in an entire year. So I couldn't really give it a first place vote. Uh, so, or a second place vote, I'm sorry. So I gave it to NXT. The listeners went ahead and did give it to Raw, uh, whether that's just because they prefer WWE or whatever the case might be, that is where they voted. And then third place coming in here, um, or I should say really tied, whatever, is AEW, which you did vote as your uh, second place finisher, which I found a little bit interesting now because we're not on, you're not consistently on the AEW episode of the podcast with me. So on a week to week basis, I do, I do not speak with you about AEW as much as I do about WWE. I kind of assumed you thought it was, it had taken a dip the same way that I did this year. Do you perhaps feel like it's not as drastic as others say, or do you just feel like on a, any given week you prefer AEW to Raw, given that you don't really watch NXT? No, it has taken an obvious dip, but like you said, I don't watch NXT very frequently, so I kind of only had three options here. And between AW and <clears throat> Raw, I think you have to take into account the first half of the year for Raw was atrocious yeah, for the most part. It was. I mean, I mean it got, it's got it been a lot better under Triple H, but especially under Vince, it was very, very bad. AEW has had its ups and downs, but I think the, the, the highs on AEW are still higher than the highs we get on Raw just because most of the WWE highs are on SmackDown. So that's why I went with that. It, it, it's it's definitely been a step back year for AEW. I think they are, I think they closed the year, kind of turning the page, getting through a lot of the unexpected stuff that that hit them, especially in the summer and the fall. Uh, but it, it's a big year for AEW, and they're going to have to do a lot better in twenty twenty three than they did in twenty twenty two. No question. As I mentioned, SmackDown third straight year winning brand of the year, first time as the unanimous winner. Chris, let's move to our seventh award. This is a special award that we hold dear to our hearts here at the Getting Over Wrestling podcast because it is zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. It is the zero point zero award for worst of the year. And you may say, Silver King, what does that mean, worst of the year? Worst anything. I mean, except for a match, because we do have a separate category for the wrestling component of this. It could be the worst gimmick, the worst moment, um, the worst storyline, whatever the case may be. It is potentially the worst if you voted for it in that spot. And what I will say, Chris, is this is far tougher or it was far tougher to come up with nominees for worst of the year in 2022 than it was in 2020 and 2021. I went back and looked at some of our nominees from those years, and they were obvious. Here, I just did not feel there were as many notably bad moments by comparison. Now, that's not to say that we had to reach for nominees. It is to say, though, that it wasn't a surprise to have the voting rather scattered in trying to name a 0.0 moment of the year. So with that, that's a prelude. Let's go ahead and give you the finalists. These are all items that received votes for 0.0 award worst of the year. We have Lacey Evans, all the vignettes on her first return of 2022. Mogul Affiliates debuting on AEW Dynamite. The Dan Lambert, Brandy Rhodes screaming back and forth promo. You guys know the one we're talking about. The Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose screaming during the Jade Cargill Marina Shafir match. A masked man winning the casino chip in the AEW casino ladder match, and as well, Elias teaming up with Riddle and all the shenanigans that went on with that. So those are your finalists. The winner 
I guess, for lack of a better term, of the 0.0 award for worst of the year in 2022 is. We coming to make history. We coming to make history. Get a young legend some time. Get a young legend some time. Because we ready. And we got history to make. Sneaking in in the final moments, the debut of Mogul Affiliates on AEW Dynamite. Chris, this was absolute trash. I mean, when you are taking two of my own favorite wrestlers, okay, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and you're putting them in, you're putting them in a tag team, Swerve in our glory, and they're kicking ass and they're doing great, and you know that a split is coming and you're anticipating it, and then AEW makes you wait, and then they make you wait even longer. And then for some reason, it seems like they've split, but they have them wrestle another match together and they make you wait even longer. And finally, they actually do the split. And it includes Parker Bordeaux and some no-name dude covered in tattoos attacking Keith Lee with Rick Ross saying all the shit I just played over and over again in the background. For me, look, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened in 2022. Not as much, as I said, as in 2021 or 2020, but this was a clear winner for me, for Mogul Affiliates debut being the 0.0 award for worst of the year. And the listeners, even though you did not, the listeners agreed. Yeah, look, that was, you laid it all out. It was, it was nonsense. I just took a different approach to this award. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the voting was kind of scattered. There's a lot of, it's kind of eye of the beholder type of thing. To me... I emphasized big moments that fell flat or at least things that were supposed to be bigger deals that were not for my 0.0. And that's why my vote went to the Masked Man Winsy Casino Ladder Match because it was completely bizarre at the time because you, you have all these random people coming into the ring and then the, mat, the masked person doing it, not revealing who it was. We found out later, I know, but just... The crowd was completely dead for this, just throwing somebody in at the end of the match who wins it with the help of a, a faction that we didn't even know about at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just to, That was supposed to be a big moment leading to a bigger moment in the show, and this completely fell flat. And that's why I gave it the 0.0, just because the, the bar was a lot higher. Completely legitimate. I, I did not have it among the three things that I voted, but... I can't blame you for thinking that that was trash. For context, last year's winner here was the Cody Rhodes, Anthony Agogo weigh-in, which was oh, absolutely horrendous. If, ever, if anyone wants to remember what was in this spot a year ago. Chris, I do feel bad because, so there are two awards on today's show where there should have been nominees that were not part of the nomination block. And this is despite you and I both going through the list and also opening it up to all of our listeners to getting overheads on Twitter. Had multiple days to nominate items for all of these categories. And there's two awards in which uh, things did not get nominated that as I was putting the show together, I went back and thought, damn, that really should have been a nominee. And the first one came in this category for the 0.0 award. And it was Drew McIntyre singing with Tyson Fury after losing a world heavyweight championship match, WWE Universal Championship match, to Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle. Now, that was not really booking or storytelling or any of that. 
And as I said at the time, I was told pretty clearly that this was not supposed to be on TV, but someone made the decision not to cut the feed and allow it to go through and people to see it at home. But either way, for Drew to be doing it in that moment, singing with Tyson Fury after a loss just made zero sense. It was a terrible decision. And I, even if it wouldn't have won, it deserved to be nominated. Yes, I absolutely hated that. That was my show of the year. Uh, all of our shows, uh, some of our yeah, show of the year. And that's how it ended for, somehow. Up, yeah. up for match of the year as well. And then to finish with that was so completely bizarre. Had it not been on television, had it just been a thing for the local crowd, I could get over it. But to lose, to have been cheated out of a world championship <laughs> and then yep. decide to sing with Tyson Fury and then not have Tyson Fury turn on him, which we thought could happen, like... We're at- Happen, yeah. Bizarre. All right, let us move to our eighth award here on the Medes, the Mega Powers Explode Award. This is for Storyline Angle of the Year. Here are your finalists. MJF returning to AEW and winning the Heavyweight Championship. The entirety of the Roman Reigns bloodline story with Sami Zayn, of course, becoming a major part of that. The White Rabbit teases leading to the WWE return of Bray Wyatt, Bianca Belair overcoming Becky Lynch finally at WrestleMania, and Dominic Mysterio turning on his father and joining Judgment Day. The winner of the Mega Powers Explode Award for Storyline Angle of the Year is... Why are you yelling at me? I'm trying to make peace. The tribal chief said he wants peace. Man, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief said. Look, what Jay just said was super, super messed up, but he he didn't mean that. Look, Jay's been going through a lot. He's gone through a lot. He's just not himself right now. That's it, okay? He's just not... Lately, he just hasn't been very oozy. Is that what's going on here? That's the problem, Jay. It's because you're not feeling. It's because you're not feeling oozy. Oozy. I mean, that segment, Chris, was a microcosm, of course, of the greatness of this storyline angle of the year, of course, being Roman Reigns, the bloodline and Sami Zayn, which has just reached new levels of greatness every single month that's passed. And here we are now entering 2023. And it is still so far, of course, we're only a week into the year, the best storyline and angle of 2023. But uh, it has just been remarkable what's happened here. And when you consider that this award, of course, has existed on this show for three years, and it's the second time that Roman Reigns has won. The first one (laughs) in 2020 for the storyline of becoming the tribal chief. Now, last year, Hangman Page won for the entire storyline that led to him winning the AEW championship. That was a little bit of a break in between. But to consider that this Roman Reigns storyline is still going on now in its third year, 2023, really in some ways being its fourth. And here we are talking about it by far, in my opinion, 
being the storyliner angle of the year to the point that it was a unanimous selection from all of our voters. It's just remarkable. Uh, it is the singular most entertaining thing for me right now in professional wrestling. It is the singular thing I am most interested in seeing on a week-to-week basis in professional wrestling. And the mark of a good storyline, a good angle, a good gimmick, particularly when it comes to Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn is, does it leave you wanting more? And almost every single week, this accomplishes that. It's the story of the year. It's the story of the decade. It's one of the best stories in pro wrestling history. And we haven't even reached the climactic final moment. So uh, easy choice. We've talked about it every week. It takes up at least a half hour on our show or more every time. So I gave my second uh, to MJF winning the AW title, which I know coming off the 0.0 of him getting the poker chip is kind of weird, but uh, that storyline worked very well. And then Dominic turning on Ray as my number three. Yeah, uh, my second place was the White Rabbit. I just was obsessed with that and, and the way they achieved that. The listeners agreed also had that in second place. The listeners had MJF third, and I had Bianca Belair overcoming Becky Lynch there. I just loved the way they told the end of that story, particularly on the road to... WrestleMania, but a really good year of storylines and angles across WWE and AEW, of course, in this case. Now, we, since we spoke about the storyline angle of the year with our Mega Powers Explored Award, let's go ahead and move to our 2022 moment of the year. And we have four finalists here. Sami Zayn choosing the bloodline over Kevin Owens. Cody Rose showing his torn pectoral before his Hell in a Cell match against Seth Rollins. Cody Rhodes returning to WWE at WrestleMania 38, and Bray Wyatt returning as the White Rabbit finally gets revealed. Those are the finalists, and the winner for 2022 Moment of the Year is... Chris, you and I both voted for Cody Rhodes' return at WrestleMania 38 as the winner of Moment of the Year. And of course, it did win uh, this award. And I got to tell you, going back and doing this, I kind of hesitated. And I thought maybe this wasn't as great and memorable as I thought it was at the time. But as I was cutting this show, those concerns completely dissipated because I watched this again. And then I watched it a second time because I was trying to figure out what sound clip to cut for the show. And it was just insane the way this crowd reacted 
the feeling that the moment created with Seth Rollins waiting in the ring and the silence, getting pissed off, then his face when you saw Cody finally appear. I mean, look, the shocker here for me is not so much that Cody Rhodes won. It's that Cody Rhodes had two finalists and the voting between them was actually extremely close because the fans, our listeners getting overheads, didn't vote this as moment of the year. They voted Cody taking off his jacket and unveiling his torn, bruised pectoral as their moment of the year with this coming in second place. I love these awards when there's like so many good ones to choose from. And this was one of them. But to me, though, a return from someone who spent a time away from WWE, guy coming from the company that was formed to rival WWE, he comes out with his music that he created that is about Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> take right. his name and and i was there in person i was there at wrestlemania and to feel the cody Rhodes return live was just incredible the image of it th- this is the moment i've gone back and rewatched the most of anything uh throughout the year i i've pulled up this entrance this return on youtube so many times over the year uh the the the, the crowd the the, the music, the sound, everything coming up from the Cody Vader. It just was all executed perfectly. So to me, this was pretty clearly my number one. Yeah. And like I said, uh, this was one of our closer votes in the entire awards. Uh, So second did come uh, Cody's torn pack at Hell in a Cell. And then everything else, of course, had individual votes here and there. But to your point about a return being more important than something like Cody simply taking off his jacket and showing that he was going to wrestle with that bruised and torn pectoral. This is the third year, obviously, that we've done moments of the year. All three moments of the year have been people returning. It was Edge in 2020, CM Punk, obviously, in 2021, and now Cody Rhodes returning from AEW to WWE, making his return to WWE in 2022. So with that, let's go ahead and move to our next award, our 2022 Feud of the Year. Our finalists, CM Punk versus MJF, FTR versus the Briscoes, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes, and Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Those are our finalists, Chris. And the winner for 2022 Feud of the Year is... Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. Now, this did receive votes from all three parties, but first place votes from myself and the listeners. I had CM Punk and MJF second. You had them first. We will go ahead and get to you momentarily. The reason why Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins goes ahead and wins Feud of the Year, it's pretty simple to understand. It started with that WrestleMania moment. It concluded with the Hell in a Cell moment. That was the second finalist for, or, or the second place finisher for moment of the year. And in between was another Damn good match between all of them. All three matches, or at least I should say the first and last match in particular, you could argue on your own scale are potential five-star matches. The promos were top tier between them. Uh, The fact that they were able to build to the first match without ever mentioning Cody's name on TV or him saying a word leading into it, I thought was remarkable. And there are other really good feuds this year. FTR versus the Briscoes, for example, you could easily argue was the best wrestling feud of the year. And you could certainly say the same about Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay. If you went ahead to New Japan and included them here, they did not get votes. So they were not part of this. Um, 
So you may say that, hey, there were better wrestling feuds that put on better matches. But when it comes to combining both the storytelling, the match quality, the length of time that it all went down for me, Rollins Rhodes was an obvious choice for feud of the year. Yeah, I, it, it didn't get my vote, actually. I did um, CM Punk versus MJF. Uh, I, I had Cody at Seth at number two. This was a weird year because there wasn't really a few that kind of culminated throughout the whole year. Everything was like I agree. Ha- half a year. So to, to me, this was a really hard one to pick just because none of them stood out above the most. But I think CM Punk, MJF, the, the MJF digging back to his kind of personal history with everything he went through, uh, Wanting the old CM Punk back and MJF doing what he does on the mic. To me, that was my feud of the year, with, with culminating with, with CM Punk's moment, um, uh, doing the, the, the old ROH entrance and everything like that. So that was my number one. But there were a lot of good ones. None of them really jumped out to me as obvious, though. So that, that was mine. Yeah, Punk and MJF was my second place. Uh, the listeners chose Bel Air and Lynch for their second place. Makes hmm. all the sense in the world. But as you did yeah. point out, that kind of, you know, it did kind of continue, I guess, all the way to SummerSlam, right? Uh, so it did take up a big part of the year. I didn't find it to be that as intense as what we got from Punk MJF. So that is why that came in third. And, and FTR and the Briscoes got third place votes from myself and the listeners as well. It was just a fantastic series of wrestling matches. But I'm never going to give that a second place or a first place vote when there was basically no angles on TV. There were no storylines to really develop it because ROH doesn't have a TV show and they wouldn't put the Briscoes on AEW TV. So all I had was three matches really to judge it off of. And the matches were great, but it wasn't going to, on its own, kick them up above Punk MJF or Rollins Rhodes or, or you know, really some other feuds perhaps that, that went down over the course of the year. Now, that was the halfway point of the 2022 meetings. Let's go ahead and move to our 11th award here. This is one of my favorite awards, actually. Comeback Wrestler of the Year. Our finalists, Kyrie, Kenny Omega, Katsuyori Shibata, Soraya, Bailey, plus Dakota Kai and Io Sky, and Bray Wyatt. The winner for 2022 Comeback Wrestler of the Year is... Damage control. Yeah. <laughs> we got the power. We got the rage. Control the stage. Control the cage. We got the power. We got the rage. Control the stage. Control the cage. Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. They were the only nominee in this category to receive votes from all three parties. The Silver King did not have them as his comeback wrestler of the year. So Chris, please go ahead and tell us why you did. Well, some, some of the candidates for this were people who didn't wrestle all that much. <laughs> you know, Bray Wyatt came back. Mm-hmm. He hasn't wrestled the match yet. So I, I agree I just, completely he was, yeah. it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be him for me. So I had to go with, with um, Bailey, Dakota, uh, Dakota Kai, got um, damage control chips because they've come back and done a lot. They've won women's championship belts. They've had, uh, multiple women's championship matches. Uh, in terms of what has been accomplished through the comeback, to me, this was an easy decision. So I think it was remarkable 
that you had three women who you could pretty much categorize all here that happened to be in a group together that returned, by the way, at the same time. And you could kind of name them comeback wrestler of the year, different circumstances. Dakota Kai getting fired and literally being brought back. Io Sky basically sitting out, ready to leave WWE. Bailey returning from injury. So three completely different circumstances, all coming together, having that incredible moment at SummerSlam. Now, there's a lot of people who just don't like damage control. They don't like them together. They don't like their music. I, whatever I, don't, the case. I don't. I don't. I don't love damage control, but but I still think it's a worthy comeback. Well, I do. I think they're fantastic. And I'm very surprised at the way people talk about them. But you're right, regardless of whether you like them or not, it is impressive what kind of uh, control, for lack of a better term, they've kind of taken over the storylines in the WWE women's division, because that's how good, or at least to me, good, they are all together and how important WWE sees them being a group. Now, they did not receive, though, my first place vote. That was for Shibata. And you may say, Silver King, well, who's Shibata and, and why are you voting for him? Well, Shibata's a wrestler in New Japan. And if you don't know him, you should certainly look him up. But what happened to Shibata in 2017 is following a match, he collapsed backstage, got rushed to the hospital. It was determined he had a subdural hematoma. And Dave Meltzer reported that they literally had to take his brain out of his head and then put it back into his head. And when that oh happened, my God. it was determined that he would, you know, obviously never wrestle again. So not only did this guy wrestle, he wrestled twice in 2022. He technically made his return in 2021. It was a like exhibition type of match that ended in a draw. He had two real wrestling matches in 2022, one at Wrestle Kingdom 16, the other at on AEW with AEW against Orange Cassidy. Were those matches spectacular? No. Do most people know who Shibata is? You know, probably not, unless you're a huge fan of Japanese wrestling or independent wrestling or whatever the case might be. But for someone to go through that and then wrestle two times, five years later, there's no one else I'm choosing for wrestler of the year. I don't care if I'm not with the majority. So Shibata was my comeback wrestler of the year. Absolutely incredible that that guy was able to get back into the ring again. And I will just note second place finishers for you uh, were Kenny Omega and for the listeners, Bray Wyatt, which, you know, it's fair to say that just because he garnered so many headlines at the same time, he didn't wrestle. He ha- still has not wrestled since returning. It's very difficult no. for me to call that person the comeback wrestler. of I should note also before we move on, Edge won this award the two years prior, first coming out of retirement in 2020 and then coming back from injury in 2021. I mentioned that the Comeback Wrestler of the Year is one of my favorite awards that we give out. Well, this one is right alongside it. This is our 2022 Breakout Wrestler of the Year. Our four finalists, Austin Theory, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, and Logan Paul. And the meaty goes to. Dom Dom gets what he wants, you know? If he wants mommy, it's mommy. If he wants poppy, it's poppy. Now, that clearly is Rhea Ripley, the star right now of Judgment Day on WWE Monday Night Raw and our 2022 Breakout Wrestler of the Year. And I got to say, Chris, this was very difficult. Now, both of us, you and I, voted her first place in this category. And I obviously believe she deserves it. The listeners voted her second place. 
it was difficult to me for the same reasons that I didn't vote for certain people for comeback wrestler of the year. It was difficult for me to vote for a breakout wrestler of the year who didn't really wrestle that much because Rhea Ripley was injured and not cleared to actually compete for an extremely long period of time. But the growth that she has shown, the way her character has completely evolved and its newest era, not just in Judgment Day, but with Dominic alongside of her and everything they're doing being one of the hottest things in WWE right now. There's a lot of other people who deserve credit, uh, but Rhea Ripley just to me had an extremely special year. Bianca Belair won this award in 2021. She had a similar character breakout, but Belair also won a championship at WrestleMania. She won, I believe it was, the Women's Royal Rumble as well that year. So we're talking about a different kind of category of winner, but there really weren't that many people who we could put up for this award with the exception of one uh, nominee or, or one potential nominee who did not find their way on list list. Now I'm going to save that. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. But Chris, tell me why Rhea Ripley was your breakout wrestler of the year. Just because it feels like for the first time people are really into her, really behind her. Like she's had these moments. She's had WrestleMania moments before, but it was never really connecting. They kept kind of having to reboot her a little bit, take the title off of her. She's found something here. And th th that's why it feels like a breakout after a number of years. She is one of the most entertaining things on Raw. And yeah, I think that's the definition of breaking out, even though like she was, it's not like she's a, a rookie or something like that, but mm -hmm. it was, a, it has been a breakout year for her. Yeah. And I should know breakout wrestler of the year is not a rookie of the year award. It never has been, never will be. It's about someone kind of taking their game to the next level, whether it's in popularity in ring, whatever the case might be. Now the listeners actually by a extremely slim margin voted Logan Paul over Ripley for the first place spot here. They did have Ripley second. And look, it's kind of fair to put Logan in that spot, given he had a top tier match with Roman Reigns at, what was that? WWE Crown Jewel. Was that, I think it was that event in Saudi Arabia. I mean, that yeah. match was incredible. And the, the way that Logan Paul wrestled in 2022 for someone who's only had, what is it? Two matches or is it three? Three. He's had three matches so far in WWE. He's wrestling like he's been doing it for 10 years. And it's it's wild that he's able to do that. So if you wanted to give him that award and you gave him a second place vote, the fans, the listeners, the getting overheads gave him a first place vote here. More power to all of you. I think he was deserving of it. For my second place, I went with Liv Morgan winning the Women's Money in the Bank, taking the SmackDown Women's Championship. And now, you know, towards the end of 22, uh, changing her character completely and really still maintaining that fan support that she had. It is very difficult to do something like that when you're not one of the quote-unquote chosen women of WWE. She's earned her spot. And beyond all of that, she's improved on the mic and she's improved drastically in the ring. So it was very difficult actually for me to choose Liv Morgan, or I'm sorry, to choose Rhea Ripley over Liv Morgan. But the truth is it wouldn't have mattered who I chose. Ripley would have won either way. Now, Chris, there was... Someone that we forgot to nominate here for Breakout Wrestler of the Year. And unlike the 0, 0.0 award, where I don't necessarily know that what we forgot to nominate would have won, I think this person or this group, this team might have won this award. And therefore, I want to give them a very special honorary mention for Breakout Wrestler of the Year. And that is the acclaimed. 
Oh, uh, I feel it was one. a huge oversight not having them as a nominee. I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess were you were we thinking individuals, and that's why we did no. it. No, no. Yeah. We just didn't do it. Well. And and again, we opened up nominations to fans as well to, to all of our listeners. No one nominated them. Hmm. I yeah. That, that may, I I think tag team is part of it, but that the very I think they may have deserving. Won. Arguably, probably would have won. Yeah, I just I think would none of us thought about it because they're attacking. Yeah, so you know, honorary mention. We're gonna talk about them when we talk about this award. They had a breakout 2022. They deserve a lot of credit. Clearly, we've already praised them a few times on this episode. So shout out to the acclaimed. But it is Rhea Ripley who won for 2022 Breakout Wrestler of the Year. Let us, Chris, move not to wrestlers, but to matches, and let's kick things off with the worst match of 2022. Our nominees, CM Punk versus John Moxley on AEW Dynamite, the squash match. The 2022 Men's Royal Rumble. Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. And that Jade Cargill, Marina Shafir match I mentioned earlier that had Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose screaming during the entire thing. The wrestling was also horrific during that match. But Chris, the meaty for 2022 worst match of the year goes to. The Men's Royal Rumble is your 2022 worst match of the year. Now, Chris, myself, and the listeners both voted for this as our worst match. You did not. We will get to you momentarily. But the reason why the Men's Royal Rumble is the worst match of the year is because the Royal Rumble itself is supposed to be one of the best or at least most exciting matches of the year. Everyone who watches WWE looks forward to the Royal Rumble. And there's certain notable things that you want in a Royal Rumble match. For example, a winner that gets you really excited. Perhaps it's a fresh face. Perhaps it's someone who just hasn't won before or maybe has, but it's been a while and you really want them to get that opportunity at WrestleMania. Well, guess who won this match? Brock Lesnar, involved in yet another Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar feud. So that wasn't exciting. Then you want big names to return, whether it's Hall of Famers, legends, people newly signed to the company, and none of those, with the exception here of Shane McMahon, came back. The only surprises that we got, really, were celebrities. Bad Bunny, we've seen him before. He didn't need to be in the match. Johnny Knoxville, who had no business whatsoever being in this match. And then beyond those things, the final five, and I don't have it directly in front of me, but the final five existing and Shane McMahon being among them was just, it was mind-numbing, in fact. Actually, I do have the final five right in front of me. Here's who it was. Brock Lesnar, okay, whatever, it's Brock. Randy Orton made sense at the time. People thought he might potentially fight Roman Reigns. Shane McMahon and Bad Bunny. And then Big E was another person who was among the final five. So Big E gets eliminated and your final four are Bad Bunny, Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, and Brock Lesnar. Again, this is a Royal Rumble match, something people have been looking forward to all year long. And there were, again, no surprises outside of the two celebrities. I mean, they just like threw Dolph Ziggler into the match. Rick Boogs and Madcap Moss, like 
this was what the Royal Rumble was made up of last year. Beyond the fact that the winner sucked, beyond the fact that there were no surprises, it was also a extremely poorly booked match. So, you know, did we get worse wrestling in 2022 than this? Yeah, there were a number of matches on TV and on pay-per-views for WWE, AEW, and elsewhere that were worse wrestling than this. But when you put all of the components of what makes a match together, storytelling, booking, wrestling, all of it, as far as I was concerned, Chris, there was nothing worse than the 2022 Royal Rumble for the men. Yeah, look, it's it's a fair winner. It, it, it makes sense. It was not my uh, choice. Um, my choice was uh, uh, Moxley Punk on the Dynamite going into their pay-per-view match when we weren't sure if Punk was cleared or not. And we thought at the time, hey, is this just a way to get Punk out of it? And then it turned out, no, it was just to create a way for Punk to come back from self-doubt or something. This was a disaster. Everybody hated it. Even AEW fans hated it. To, to build your unifying championship match and do it like that the first time just to like false start it was atrocious and to me that was number one for my worst match of the year and it was even worse in retrospect because you get that promo you know the whole chicago angle that you didn't need because everyone knows the guys from chicago and then brawl out explodes after and it just it was a worst case scenario that was the second place for myself and the listeners so all three of us chris voted the same two matches as the worst just a little bit of a different order nevertheless as I said, it was the closest vote of the year. What's interesting is the men's Royal Rumble match was our, of course, worst match of the year, coming two years after the 2020 Royal Rumble was our pay-per-view of the year in the inaugural edition of the Meaties. Chris, allow us to move to our 14th award here. We just covered the worst match of the year. Let's go and talk the opposite. Let's change the tone here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast and let us award the Meaty for 2022 match of the year. Your finalists, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at WWE Clash at the Castle. Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay, NJPW G1 Climax. Gunther versus Sheamus, WWE Clash at the Castle. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, WrestleMania 38. And Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, WWE, Hell in a Cell. And your meaty for 2022 match of the year goes to Gunther versus Sheamus, WWE, Clash at the Castle. Chris, this was the only match out of all of the nominees to receive votes from myself, yourself, and the getting overheads. It is also the third straight match of the year award for Gunther, formerly known as Walter. His first two came in the Walter versus Isla Dragunov matches in 2020 and 2021. I should also note that while it is not an official award here at the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, this is also our meat slapping moment of the year. Gunther versus Sheamus in an absolute bloody, not because... There were hard ways or because people bladed, but because they beat each other's chests, hey now, so much that they literally made them bleed. The match of the year, Gunther versus Sheamus. This is everything that you could possibly want, or at least everything most of us could possibly want in a professional wrestling match. There was work rate. There was big meaty men slapping meat. Big meaty men slapping meat. (laughs) 
I mean, there was a lot of beef out there. There's a lot of beef out here. And beyond that, the wrestling was superb. The booking was perfect. Gunther won just as he needed to. And on top of all of that, the crowd was out of its mind during this match. So for me, a no-brainer, Gunther versus Sheamus as match of the year. Chris, tell me what you thought about this match. You know, there's there's way too much chest slapping and wrestling today. Like, it, it, it happens all the time. Daniel Bryan does it in every single match, and it's way overplayed. Sorry, Brian Danielson does it every match, and it's way overplayed as a trying to show your toughness. This was two guys really beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. <laughs> and th- this is the time to do stuff like this. is the time when I got behind it. So it was an incredible match, uh, undoubtedly. It was actually not my number one. It was my number two. My number one came on the same show, and it was Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. And uh, it was obviously not the best wrestling of the year, but it was everything that I love and enjoy about wrestling. It's the, it's the same kind of thing that has me as my favorite wrestling match of all time is Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania 18. The crowd was just out of control for this, singing Drew McIntyre's name. Roman's entrance was great. Uh, It felt like the first time that Roman was going up somebody he wasn't sure he could beat. And and, and it was a great matchup between the two. Uh, And then you have Solo Sokoa debut at the end, obviously, and cost Drew the match. And in hindsight, it looks even bigger now because of what Solo Sokoa has come, uh, gone on to do. And so when there's a a match that I've rewatched the most this year, it is this one. And it's because of all those things that make me love wrestling. You just lied to our listeners because Gunther Sheamus was your number two vote for match of the year. Yeah, I said it wasn't my number two. Oh, I thought you said it wasn't. I thought you said it wasn't my first. It wasn't my second. No, no, no. Yep, it's my number oh, two. Okay. Well, then I misheard you. Then I take the blame uh, for that. But uh, Reigns McIntyre didn't get any votes really besides you. So you had it first place. No one else voted for it. And I'm not saying that you're wrong. It was an incredible match. I just thought on the same card, if it gets beat out by another match that I prefer, it's going to be very difficult for me to vote for it really at all. Sure. Uh, they're two place, completely. They're two completely different matches. They're two they completely are. different things, really. And and it just kind of comes down to personal preference there. Yeah. Now, you know, when I do match of the year, I take a lot into consideration. I take the work rate, the story, just the whole deal. Um, and my second best match of the year was Okada Osprey at the G1 for New Japan. I thought it was slightly better than their other match by an extremely thin margin, but there was no question that it was just one of the best wrestled and maybe the singular best wrestled match of the entire year. Listeners had Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins and Hell in a Cell as their second best match of the year. And again, not only was it well wrestled, but the spectacle of the entire thing, of course, was ridiculous. I had that as my third place vote and third place for you and the listeners both was Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, which I think most would be fair to say was the women's match of the year. It was incredible. It called back to their entire storyline, the one that happened at WrestleMania. Um, The move sets were ridiculous. Becky broke out a bunch of new stuff in there. And for Bianca Belair to win her second straight women's championship at WrestleMania, obviously, was a big deal. So this was a runaway. Gunther Sheamus as match of the year. Again, third straight year that Gunther or Walter, same person, uh, won match of the year. So he is just absolutely dominating this category. Now we'll find out if he can go four straight in 2023, but we still have about 11 and a half months left to determine that. So Chris, we are out of the match awards and we're getting back into the wrestling awards to end the show. Let's get to award number 15, the 2022 Manager 
of the year. Our three finalists, William Regal with the Blackpool Combat Club, Paul Heyman with the Bloodline, and daddy-ass Billy Gunn in some ways with the acclaimed. And the 2022 meaty for manager of the year goes to My tribal chief, I was in synagogue and I was sitting next to a doctor who knows a doctor who knows Logan Paul's doctor. And you know how we all kibitz. And Logan Paul's doctor told the doctor that knows my doctor that Logan Paul once broke his hand. And Logan Paul has steel pins inserted in the hands that he throws that knockout punch with. Wise man. Wise man. Yes, my tribal chief. He's had two matches. Two. And, 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 and this will be his third match. And Brock Lesnar won the UFC title in his third match. Not that Logan Paul is Brock Lesnar. Not, not, not that Brock Lesnar is Roman Reigns. I mean, you beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And, and, and it's SummerSlam in the last minute. My tribal chief, I think this is a good time for me to take my absence. I'm, I'm going to fire up the jet for you, my tribal chief. Thank you. Thank, thank you for your time, my tribal chief. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Heyman is our 2022 manager of the year. Not just a back-to-back winner, but a back-to-back unanimous winner of the award, Chris. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, or I should say in 2020, we did not give Heyman this award. And the reason was because he, despite him being with Roman Reigns, he wasn't really that integral to the entire story. Roman Reigns is really dominating the entire picture. But with the changes to the bloodline, obviously Sami Zayn's involvement uh, now in the faction, the role that Paul Heyman is playing, operating off of him, particularly over the last couple of months, and just segments like that with Paul Heyman. Look, I love William Regal. I think he did a fantastic job with the Blackpool Combat Club. And I would say most years, he might actually win the award. But Paul Heyman and the work he's doing right now with the Bloodline, a no-brainer for me, clearly for you and the listeners, because he was our unanimous manager of the year. Yeah, he was easy call. He's stepped up this year more than he ever has before in this role. Um, uh, And he really more more feels like a part of the group than, than ever before, really. And so he was my number one. I had Billy Gunn at number two, actually. I think he's really carved out a fun spot for him there that everybody was behind now. Thing that just kind of sprung out of nowhere made sense. William Regal was good with the Blackpool Combat Club, but it just didn't last very long, frankly. And, and mm. so uh, and, it did, and it didn't get and it didn't get to all these kind of fights because they weren't it felt like he was just, it was in and out like the Blackpool Combat Club was there, but they were kind of inconsistent throughout the year and William Regal was kind of in and out of it. So uh, but Paul Heyman winner, easy number one. He's continues to just do incredible work. Yeah, like I'm not trying to argue with you over a second place or third place vote because it doesn't really matter. But I, I didn't even believe Billy Gunn deserved to be nominated here. He's not really in any way a manager. I mean, if anything, he's more of like part of their group than anything else. He doesn't cut promos on their behalf. You know, he, if anything, he wrestles with them more than he than he speaks. William Regal would go on commentary. He would bring the guys together in the ring and backstage segments. So I was just a little surprised that you had Gunn over Regal. Again, I thought Regal was an easy number two. But of course, Paul Heyman was an easy number one. Let's go ahead and crown our faction of the year. And a couple of these names are going to sound familiar because we just mentioned them. 
uh, our finalists, the Bloodline, Blackpool Combat Club, Judgment Day, and United Empire from New Japan. Those are the finalists. The winner for the 2022 Meaty Faction of the Year is... The Bloodline, Roman Reigns, The Usos, Sami Zayn, and Solo Sokoa. Look, Chris, WWE in the last 15, 20 years, it really doesn't have factions anymore. And what the Bloodline has managed to do is not just become a you know permanent or you know seemingly permanent faction in WWE, the biggest storyline in the entire company, it arguably has as part of it the wrestler of the year, arguably the tag team of the year, and one of the, if not the singular, most entertaining wrestler of the year, arguably again, in Sami Zayn. But it is also dominated because it has the undisputed world champion and the undisputed tag team champion. Beyond that, it's the best thing on WWE programming on a week-to-week basis, and it's the best thing on the best show, which is SmackDown. That is something we've already decided here on the Getting Over Awards. I thought Blackpool Combat Club was an easy choice for second place. And I know you had that there as well. But again, as a unanimous selection, the Bloodline, our 2022 faction of the year. Yep. Easy decision. Like we said, it's the best story. It's the best manager. <laughs> it's got some of the best moments. Uh, it might have the best tag team and might have the best male wrestler based on how the depending on how the rest of these awards show. Right. Uh, easy call. Easy call for the bloodline. that can, They continue to evolve, and that's what makes them so good. We've talked about them ad nauseum on the show, rightfully so. But, uh, yep, easy choice for faction of the year. Now let's get to a, another debuting award here in the Getting Over Awards. The meaty for trio or group of the year. This is something we have never handed out before. All of our finalists, listing them off. The Brawling Brutes, Damage Control, Death Triangle, Toxic Attraction, The Elite, and Imperium. The winner of the inaugural meaty for trio or group of the year is... The current, as of this taping, AEW Trios Champions, Death Triangle. What is so interesting about them winning this award is they were first place votes for both myself and the listeners, our getting overheads. Beyond that, the Lucha Brothers, of course, who comprise two thirds of Death Triangle, the third person being Pac, they were our 2021 Tag Team of the Year. So to some degree, they're kind of winning a second straight award in a very similar category. But I mentioned uh, previously, we had an extremely close vote. This was notably close as well, because Death Triangle, uh, which has been just tremendous all year, all of them as individuals, and certainly them as a group, all the matches they've been able to put on together. uh, They came in first place again with two first place votes and no vote from Vintage Chris Vanini. However, Toxic Attraction out of NXT received second place votes across the board, and they almost snuck into that top spot. Chris, tell me 
what you think about Death Triangle, and then go ahead and let us know who you voted first place for Trio or Group of the Year. I just don't really care about Death Triangle, just personally. <laughs> it's really, to, to me, it's, it's, a, kind it's of a tag team. Yeah. It's a tag team plus Pac. Like, like it, it, and, and Pac is really kind of the only one who does talk for them. Uh, look, they're incredible wrestlers, without a doubt. I just, I just haven't really connected with them as much. I gave my number one, one vote to uh, the Brawling Brutes, who obviously didn't win titles or anything, but I, I think really came into their own as a true trio as the as the year went on to the point where you like seeing them. I think they they did the heel stuff, then they did the face stuff, um, had some ups and downs, but just in terms of a group as a trio that that um, work together well and kind of. Are, are all similar. I, I like them. I toxic attraction second as well. Uh, they're great. They're no more obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's, that was my votes. There are officially three meaties to go here in the 2022 getting over awards and we're getting to it right now. Let's move to the tag team of the year award. We only have three finalists for this award. FTR, out of AEW and beyond. The Usos, out of WWE, and The Acclaimed, out of AEW. And the meaty for 2022, Tag Team of the Year, goes to... Yeah, the Uso Penitentiary is here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. The Usos, a unanimous selection as tag team of the year. This coming after they narrowly missed winning the award each of the last two years. The persistence has paid off for Jimmy and Jay. They not only are the tag team of the year unanimous first place selection. As I noted, FTR was a unanimous second place selection and the acclaimed a unanimous third place selection. So that's the second time that's happened. Uh, or maybe the third time, I forgot, <laughs> on these getting over awards. Chris, I don't really think it's that much of a surprise. Look, FTR, they've been great all year long. They were, for a short period of time, the singular hottest thing in AEW. The problem is, for some reason, AEW never capitalized on it. So where we saw FTR having success was winning and holding the AAA Tag Team Championships, holding and winning the IWGP Tag Team Championships and the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. And it's not to say that that doesn't matter or that having three major championships, you know, isn't notable because it is. And they had a fantastic year. But what put the Usos above FTR for me was not just the wrestling, but the character work that we got from both Jimmy and Jay. Jay in particular, if we were doing like an actor of the year, award for professional wrestling, Jay would be a finalist for that award. So for me, it was the wrestling. It was the storytelling you know, it, of their story together and within the larger context of the bloodline and just the, the character work that we got from both Jimmy and Jay that it took them over FTR, which for me was lo- would have largely been 
an in-ring award based on their accomplishments. Yeah, look, in, in any other year, FTR would be, certainly be a deserving champion. It's just even, even the acclaimed in another year could be the champ, could be the winner. Absolutely, here. it's just the way the year played out. It was a pretty clear one, two, and three. And and I don't think we talk enough about the Usos among the greatest tag teams of all time, but but we really should. Um, mm-hmm. Just just consistency, teamwork, titles. They do it all. And they're not just Roman Reigns' lackeys in the bloodline. They are their own thing. Jey Uso had his whole storyline with, with Sami Zayn. That's part of this as well. So clear number one for the Usos. You've mentioned more than once. They may have the singular best fall breakup maneuvers of yes. any tag team in history. Nobody times it up better. Yeah, it's, it's incredible what they're able to accomplish. And by the way, let's not forget, they're accomplishing it. And I'm not trying to denigrate the rest of the WWE locker room or anything like that, but it's not the strongest tag team division. Yet they're still able to, no matter who their opponents are, they help raise their games. And the Usos still stand above and really hover right now above the rest. And when that includes, you know, some makeshift, let's call them to some degree tag teams, RK Bro, uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, they just wrestled them uh, to kick off 2023. Uh, The Street Profits they had a feud with at some point during the year. Uh, you know, the brawling brutes they fought and we could kind of keep going here. You know, these are great teams with really good wrestlers. That's all well and good, but they're just a different level than all of them right now. And because they showed that much separation and they hit all those individual categories that we talked about, the Usos are our 2022 tag team of the year. Once again, a unanimous selection. Two awards left, Chris, and they are the biggest meaties that we have yet to give out on this edition of the Getting Over Awards. Let us now crown the 2022 Female Wrestler of the Year. And we had four finalists for this award. Becky Lynch of WWE, Tony Storm of AEW, Bianca Belair of WWE, and Mandy Rose, of course, of NXT. And the 2022 meeting for Female Wrestler of the Year goes to I'm on my own against the wall the pressure's building but no I will never fall instead of crying they hear me roar and now I see that I'm way better than before I never needed you at That is indeed Bianca Belair, the current Raw Women's Champion, the 2022 Female Wrestler of the Year. Not only that, she was a unanimous selection for the second straight year. So a back-to-back award now for Bianca Belair. And Chris, it is pretty clear why Belair won this award. She was involved in you know, the most important women's storyline of the entire year, of course, with Becky Lynch. She had two absolute banger matches with Lynch in 2022 alone. And she was involved heavily in the biggest storyline of the of for WWE in, regarding the women's division once Lynch went on the shelf with her injury. So she has just lorded over the Raw women's division basically since WrestleMania. And even before that, again, she was involved in the biggest angle. She's put on the best matches of the year 
in WWE in particular. And really, she's just been a dominant presence from start to finish. That's not to say that there aren't better in-ring women's wrestlers, particularly overseas in stardom. Uh, Becky Lynch herself was a unanimous second place winner here, and she did a fantastic job throughout 2022. Tony Storm, Mandy Rose, both received votes as well. But when you take the entire package and you put it all together and you realize, you know, there wasn't like a women's wrestler who really was super duper strong and won her first title or, you know, pulled some other type of a claim to that degree, you do kind of go back and default to Bianca Belair, who is just the model of top tier consistency for the better part of 12 months. Yeah, I feel like we need to make sure we don't get... um we don't take for granted what Bianca Belair is. What she was our breakout uh, wrestler of the year last year, I think. You know, she, she was our breakout wrestler of the year and unanimous female wrestler of the year last year. Yeah, yeah. So like she she thrust her way into the top very quickly, and and and, and it just it, she is nobody can match what she can do in the ring, especially. And she's got a lot better in the mic over time. The second half of her 2022, not great, but that's not, it's not her fault. The booking that's basically since clash at the class, clash at the castle has been extremely strange. Uh, I do worry. She becomes the John Cena wins all the time, overcomes everything and never loses type of situation. But in terms of what she can do, obvious two time female wrestler of the year here. Yeah, no question about it. That leaves us with our, Final Getting Over Award of 2022, the meaty for Male Wrestler of the Year. And our finalists, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, John Moxley, Sami Zayn, and Gunther. Five finalists for the 2022 Male Wrestler of the Year. And the meaty goes to... Your WWE Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. Not only is Roman Reigns a unanimous winner of the meaty for Male Wrestler of the Year, he is a back-to-back winner in this category, though he was not a unanimous selection one year ago. Chris, look, there's a lot of awesome professional wrestlers in the world. Will Ospreay had a ridiculous year in the ring. John Moxley really carried AEW on his back for a large part of 2022 due to a variety of different circumstances. But when you talk about the year 2022 and you ask someone who's the most important and best wrestler in that year, male or female, the answer is the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He's had incredible matches. He's part of the leader of the faction of the year. And He is the main component in the Mega Powers Explode Award for Storyline of the Year. So really, how could it be anyone else? 
look, everything he does delivers. We know he's not on TV every week, doesn't show up all the time, but when he does, every single thing he's in is good and he makes it better. I think that's important to note. Yeah, we'd love to see Roman Reigns on our TV more, but he, he did show up quite a bit, even in the second half of the year. Every match he's in is good. You know, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, Logan Paul, Drew McIntyre, War Games, the just everything he's in is better. He he is at the peak of his ability, the peak of what he he should be as a wrestler, and he still has the greatest theme song theme song in wrestling right now. As you played there, mm-hmm. uh, everything he just he just completely delivers everything and rightful winner again. Yeah. Uh, so just to note, John Moxley did finish second here. I think completely appropriate given what I just said about him really carrying AEW on his back. Uh, he was our second place vote, both you and I. The listeners had Sami Zayn in second place. And I think that's interesting uh, choice for them, mostly you know due to character work more than his in-ring. Uh, but I was notably surprised that Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada uh, did not get votes here. I thought that some people would vote for them, um, and they just didn't. So yeah, those were our five finalists. And of course, Roman Reigns taking home the meaty for male wrestler of the year. Now, wrapping up these getting over awards, Chris, you know, I tried to look for some common threads uh, throughout all of the award winners. And of course, there was the bloodline domination for these awards. That makes all the sense in the world for the reasons that we've laid out throughout this entire show. One thing that surprised me, and I, you know, as I went through these awards, uh, I told you who won last year, or perhaps in some cases, who also won in 2020. And this year, 2022, there were far fewer winners from AEW than any other year. And when you consider this is that company's third year of operation, you would expect them to be kind of knocking down doors and taking some categories that maybe WWE's won for other years. But it was really quite the opposite. It was WWE winning in categories that AEW historically has otherwise dominated, such as tag team of the year. That just being one example, of course. Uh, So what did you think about that? Do you think that's really just kind of proof of the struggles that AEW had from a booking storytelling standpoint, or do you think there's something else to that? It, it's, it's both. It's, it's bad booking. It's bad injury luck. Um, but it's also, I think more than anything, just not as fresh anymore. Like it's not the cool, shiny new thing. Like you're settled mm-hmm. in now, not now, now you can't really surprise folks as much. You have to make do with what you you got. There are no more big names to constantly bring in all the time. Now you got to make it work with what you got and they didn't really do that this year. Some of it their fault, some of it not. Uh, and like I said earlier, I think uh, I think everybody should be expecting a better 2023 from them. That's kind of a good way to break it down. WWE, in many ways, maximized its talent and storytelling more in 2022 than AEW did, which was not the case necessarily the year prior. Like, you know, most years there will be more WWE people perhaps winning awards than AEW people or WWE segments winning a little bit more than AEW segments just because it's more, you know, prevalent out there, right? There's more people watching WWE than there are AEW. So the chances of the listeners, for example, voting for WWE stuff more than AEW stuff um, was out there at the same time, you know, this podcast and, and all professional wrestling these days really is part in many ways of the IWC and the IWC for the first two years of its existence seem to heavily prefer AEW to WWE. So I think given that, and you know, the listeners really did decide a lot of these awards, uh, the vast, in the vast majority of cases, what the listeners chose as their first place um, options 
ended up winning meaties. And the vast majority of those choices were WWE moments, events, and people. And that really just goes to kind of show you maybe the tide is turning a little bit in terms of critical acclaim uh, for WWE and AEW, you know, switching uh, from one way to the other as 2022 reached its conclusion. Of course, 2023, a brand new year. And we will uh, be right back doing the 2023 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meaties. To figure out whether that continues next year. But it was awesome, once again, bringing you guys the Meaties, the 2022 Getting Over Awards. I appreciate all of you listening to us throughout 2022, another year of performance-enhancing audio, getting in your ear holes from your friends at the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So let's go ahead and wrap up this special edition of the show with a reminder, as there always will be, that Getting Over is all about Defy. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Drop those five-star ratings on Apple. Take a little extra time. Leave a five-star written review. Tell people why you listen. Tell them why they should subscribe. And if you do, we will read those reviews live here on the show. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, and to vote in polls and awards like these meetings. We had the ballots out. We had the nominations out. All of you who follow us could have participated. We are notably grateful for all who actually did. So once again, signing off from the 2022 Getting Over Awards, a.k.a. The Meetings. This is the Silver King Adam Silverstein for Vintage Chris Benini, bidding you adieu and leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>